And now for a look at all things sports with two average sportsmen themselves. It's the Sporting Hacks with Hilly and Jules. Oh, well, it's another big week of the Sporting Hacks with Hilly and Jules. Great to have your company and looking forward to spending another three quarters of an hour with uh, my great mate Jules. Jules, a very big hello to you, mate, and uh, we're up to episode number four. G'day, Hilly. It's good to be here again. It was a mixed weekend for us, wasn't it? Our teams got done, but what a what a weekend of finals. The uh, the best week of finals we've had since 1994. I think the lowest combined margin. So four excellent and cracking games over the weekend. Absolutely. Probably not the results that you and I were after in regards to our teams, Richmond and Geelong, but just four genuine good games of footy that went right down to the wire. And I guess, you know, deep late in the last quarter of each of those games, you sort of didn't know who was going to get the job done. So, um, yeah, what a way to start finals footy. And good to see the crowds back too for a bit of finals football action as well. Oh, how good with the crowds. Geez, it was loud on TV. Watching the Port Adelaide-Geelong game, I think 25,000 there sounded like about 80. I know you would have hated it. <laughs> I did hate it. Imagine if they had the 50,000 there. It would have sounded like 150,000 because they are very parochial, the Port Adelaide supporters. Absolutely. and Yeah, it was just fantastic to have the crowds back. And we're going to touch on, uh, in a minute, Richmond and Geelong and the losers. But I think... There's always obviously going to be a loser in sport and we can the media dissects the losers to an inch of their life. And, but they were just four games and, as I said, there's always got to be a loser. So we'll talk about our sides in a moment, but I'll get you to start on your cats, mate. Where, where do you think they went wrong or where can they improve this week? You know what? I reckon it was one quarter that probably hurt them more than anything on, on Thursday night was that third term. Um, Port Adelaide just overran them in that third quarter and really had some great momentum. So I thought it was a really even game over the first, second and fourth quarters. I thought maybe Geelong probably had the um, ascendancy in that second term but just couldn't convert on the scoreboard, which probably was a big costly um, part of their loss on Thursday night. But Port Adelaide, strong running game, uh, really good around the stoppages and the clearances and just found easy avenues to goal, especially in that third term, to break open the game um, and to get the job done. Now, 16 points wasn't a great big margin. Um, so when you think about it, there may have been only a couple of things that could have changed and you know maybe the result may have changed. I guess from a supporter's point of view, mate, things I'd like to see, um, obviously our forward structure just didn't work last week. You know, Big Tommy had five shots, well, six shots and, sh- and kicked five behind. So... You know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. If you kick two or three of those, does it change the result? May have, it may not have. Um, but to have our small forwards not contributing sort of definitely hurt us. Um, maybe Danger played a little bit too much up forward, especially deep in the game when we needed him in the midfield. May have, that, that may have been a change I may have made if I was coach, but, you know, I have trust in my, my coaching staff. Um, and the other thing I was sort of thinking about a little bit more too is, we won most of the key area in the stats, but the thing we've sort of struggled with a little bit this year is the small forwards. And I reckon they, they're playing Jed Hughes a little bit too high up the ground. They want him to be more of a dashing half back, and that's sort of where he's played, where he's played predominantly as a back pocket on the small forwards. 
So I would have him playing a lot deeper to be that small defender on your Stephen Motlops or Rosies or whoever it is that's the small forward for the opposition. In that case, it was Stephen Motlop who probably got a hold of us with three goals. Um, yeah, yeah, someone here, a... you're, hold, you're holding back a bit here. We, no, no, we no, had a no, conversation over no. the weekend. Oh, to be honest with you, I think there was still a lot of positives in the game. Um, now, there's a couple of, you know, deci- not decision, decision-making areas by the Cats, you know, when they're in the corridor, not giving first option that sort of annoyed me a little bit that was costly. Um, I still think, you know, we're still in reasonable shape. Just a couple of positional changes. Maybe there's some names that have got to be looked at, you know, selection-wise. Rowan's probably one that hasn't really done much over the last month. Um, you know, Brian Myers is another one who I'm a big fan of, but just has still struggled for form a little bit. Um, so they've got to be ones that they've got to be certainly looked at at the selection table. Um, yeah, you know what? I still I was still pretty happy with the way they played on Thursday night. Had they kicked straight, I reckon we would have been a fair chance to win. But just a couple of positional changes is what I would like to see. Yeah, you're right, mate. It was, it was a cracking game. And Tom Hawkins still played well. He just couldn't convert. Um, and it, it is hard when you only play with 21 players and Gary Rowan. So... You got Fifford Long there. Surely he can't play this week. Wait and see with selection. Um, but yeah, I thought John had a crack. Jules, enough about my cats. How did you se- assess the Tigers? Brisbane played a really good brand of football. They were tenacious. They were hungry, and they got the job done in the end. How did you see it? Yeah, genuine fifty-fifty game. I thought I wasn't overly confident. I know the media talked up the Tigers as certain news, but. Brisbane were awesome, and they're on the way up. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk more about Richmond, obviously, other than the Lions. But I thought it was similar to, to the Cats and Port game. We sort of dominated the second quarter, couldn't get that scoreboard pressure, and then did a few silly things with free kicks and 50-metre penalties and cost the Tigers a few goals, which gave them momentum going into the second half. I thought we were just Richmond were just a, a fraction off. We were missing handballs. Our skills were terrible going inside 50, missed tackles, all those sorts of things. And our entries, I could not believe our entries. I was frustrated all night with with Harris Andrews back and no Tom Lynch. And we kicked the ball long to Rewalt every time. And Harris Andrews had come over the top. So poor old Jack had two and, two and three defenders on him. So I just thought we were a fraction off. You know, when Daniel Rich has 10 seconds with the ball in the first 30 seconds, you know something's wrong. Damien Hardwick missed the, nearly missed the anthem. So I don't think the Tigers were mentally there. But in saying that, there's no excuse uh, for that. It's a big finals game. They should have been on. And, and all credit to Brisbane. They were, they were fantastic. Yeah, they were good, weren't they? I reckon they missed Lynch, the Tigers. As you said, Harris Andrews just sort of played as that peel-off defender who... Danny Frawley would have been absolutely wrapped with some of the punching that uh, he showcased there on Friday night. Um, the Lions, always helpful when you play in front of your home crowd on your home deck as well. Um, but they're off to a prelim. And the best thing about the Richmond and the Cats, we get to uh, have a second chance this weekend. So looking forward to it, mate. You guys up against St Kilda, which I guess you'll go into pre as a pre-game favourites. And we're up against Collingwood where... They've had a bit of the wood over us the last couple of years, so um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But we did see a couple of sides eliminated last week. We saw the West Coast Eagles in that nail-biter over at uh, Optus Stadium against the Pies. 
And we also saw the Western Bulldogs up against St Kilda, and they got the job done in the close one at the Gabba. Do you want to have a look at the Western Bulldogs, mate? The side that got eliminated, what were your thoughts uh, on that game? And then obviously, you know, where the Dogs list is at currently. Yeah, I'll touch on the game, and it's probably going to be a bit harsh on the Bulldogs, considering they only lost by three points. But I thought for quarters two and three, they were outplayed. The last quarter, I think they kicked four goals to get back in the game. So I suppose at the end of the day, I've still got the question, do we overrate the Bulldogs? You know, since they're, since that four weeks of their awesome finals in 2016, they've finished 12th, 10th, 7th and 7th and lost both finals. So I wonder if we're just overrating them a little bit. We sort of seem to have the Bulldogs in that top four bracket, but they just don't seem when they play the, the top eight sides, they don't seem to be there. And I think they're one and eight against the top eight teams this year. And they only beat West Coast by two points. So perhaps we're overrating the Bulldogs a little bit. Um, what I'd like to see from the Dogs is a different game style or a plan B. They don't seem to have a plan B when things go wrong. So they like to handball. They like to chip short at times. When a side like St Kilda are on top of them, I don't see a plan B from Beveridge, or he doesn't seem to throw the magnets around. Um, I've just read a few names. They've got a bit of versatility too, uh, Richmond, don't they? They have a bit of versatility there. Bulldogs. The Bulldogs as well. So, um, yeah, I reckon you're right there. Like you, They've got the luxury of swapping a few players around if need be. Yeah, I just want to go through a couple of names who they've recruited that just haven't worked out. So we've got Trengrove. Trengove, sorry. Was good Josh early. Shackey. Josh Bruce. Now, Sam Lloyd's been serviceable, but he's getting older now. Ryan Gardner. Alex Keith, who, again, is a pass this year. Probably wasn't amazing. So there's about five or six tools that really, they, they haven't really come on and they haven't done much. Now, they've got some good youngsters in Smith. Lipinski. I didn't mind Vandermeer this year. He got injured. But I just... They need a plan B, and I liked how Bevo come out and said it's going to be a whole new team this year. There's going to be six new players next year. So, and a mate of ours, Hilly, he actually said the Bulldogs are pretenders. You know, they, they play well against the bottom sides, but they can't compete with the top. So maybe, as I said at the start, we're overrating them. Yeah, fair call. Um, still a lot of young, good talent there. Um, but you're right, though, just those names that you mentioned in regards to some of those key positions, talks. Yeah, they just haven't had luck with them. They just haven't come on and delivered, have they? And probably on big money as well. Keith, I reckon, has been okay. Bruce has been disappointing. shacky has been unsighted. Um, yeah, so a lot to think about the Western Bulldogs. But I think Beveridge can coach. There's no doubt about it. They just sort of need to yeah, mix things up a little bit and maybe change a few positional um, things as well for players just to get them out of their comfort zone and, yeah, give them a bit more, um, a bit more I guess, intrigue about their side. Uh, West Coast is the side I'm going to look at. Wow. Recruitment of Tim Kelly after last year, they thought they were absolutely, you know, not I'm not saying them internally, but externally, they were targeted as the, the team to beat. Tim Kelly adds to that midfield with Yo, Shuey, these types of players. Nick Nat giving them first, first hand. And then you've got the forward line of Darling and Kennedy, centre-half forward and full forward that combine really well with you know some really good flankers and pockets at their feet, including Liam Ryan. Their back line, I think it's probably their Achilles Hill out of the three playing areas on the ground. Um, whilst McGovern, McGovern is absolutely sensational, 
Barras, Cole, these sort of players, Shepard, all very good players, but I still reckon they need a really good key, another key back to work in tandem with Jeremy McGovern, especially when you come up against sides like Richmond when you've got the big um, you know, prong attack of Rewalt and also uh, Lynch. I think that's where they sort of fall down at times. So disappointing, though. You know, to them go out in the elimination final, I would have thought top four for, uh, for certain at the start of the year. I don't reckon their midfield fired, and I know they had some injuries throughout the course of the year. Shuey didn't play a whole year. Kelly took a little bit while to get going. Yo missed the last few games. Nick Nat's coming off a long, extended um, time on the sideline, so it took a little bit him to get going. But I thought their midfield's A-grade, disappointing with their um, probably with their delivery in games at times. Kennedy had a horrendous year at times when he was out injured, still delivered well on the scoreboard. I think Darling was a you know a shining light. They still look like on paper a great side, the West Coast Eagles. What they need to do, I'm not really sure whether they just need to get another couple of youngsters in there because I guess their list is probably getting a little bit older to a degree. Um, but they've still got some youth in there. I'm not sure what your thoughts are about the Eagles, but maybe just another couple of youngsters to really um, groom, you know, like the Oscar Allens and, if they can get a good key defender, maybe they put someone like Garrett Brander at centre half back to work in tandem with uh, with McGovern to um, you know give him a, a key position back for the next four or five years anyway. Yeah, very disappointing. The West Coast probably got them second behind GWS in terms of most disappointing clubs because, as you said, their list is a premiership list. Now let's be honest, they probably lost it. Within the first month, they sucked up about going to the hubs. They win one of those games, they're in the top four. And, and then they can have a crack at Port Adelaide on the weekend and who knows what could have happened. So that's where they've probably lost the premiership this year in that first month. I know you can't say that at the end of the year, but you, know, you put yourself in an elimination final and they come up against the red-hot Collingwood and that's what happens. Out the door, see you later. So their list is fine. I think you're right. A couple more youngsters. Kennedy and a few are getting a bit older, but uh, they've probably got another year or so to try and win a flag. Yep, absolutely. Hey, mate, before we go and uh, catch up with a very special guest, I'm looking forward to talking to this young man from Port Adelaide. Um, let's quickly look at the Bombers. Wow, what a week. Oh. Sard's going to go to Carlton, it looks like. Well, that's where his nominated club is. Danaher's nominated the Brisbane Lions. Um, you know, there's talk that um, who else was there? There was Fantasia or Fantasia, you know, looking to go back home to Adelaide. There's been some discussion about Merritt, what his future's like at the Bombers as well. He might be looking to go elsewhere. They're a basket case at the moment from an outsider looking in, um, especially, you know, a couple of our good mates are mad staunch Bomber supporters and um, they're just really unhappy with the direction the Bombers are going at the moment. Well, how long have we got, Hilly? We're trying to keep this podcast well, short. But four, we get... four minutes, mate, so I don't know whether that's got long enough for the Bombers, but um, I'm sure we can come to some conclusions. It's definitely not long enough, but we'll, we'll just briefly touch on the... Well, let's just touch on Saad and Danaher for starters. So what Carlton want... Um, sorry, Essendon will want pick seven, and knowing Essendon, they'll probably want something else. What, what do you think about a potential trade? Yeah, I haven't looked at it closely at the moment. There's no doubt the Bombers always aim high. Saad, is he worth a top 10 pick? Maybe the money that they're offering suggests he could be, but I don't think he's a top 10 pick personally. Um, but then I don't know what Carlton's got to offer in regards to picks or you know, potential player swaps that's going to appease Essendon as well. Um, 
just talking about Saad, it's just interesting just reading the media about him, just uh, you know, not happy with the direction it seems like that the Bombers are going in. Yeah, it just seems like just the culture is not great there at the moment, and that's probably a fair reason why Saad looks like he may be wanting to move on, amongst other you know different um, reasons as well. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting when it, when it comes out in the wash, what is going on at Essendon's? Everyone seems to want out and seems to want to be at a different club because of the so-called culture. Well, why don't you create your own culture? You know, I just, it sounds like Saad and a few of them are having a bit of a win, saying, oh, worst fault to play me here, play me there. But um, Carlton are going to pay overs if they want him because he's in contract. So yeah. the starting point will be pick seven. He's definitely not worth that, but that's what Essendon will get from a starting point. But what, what about Joe? I know he's a bit different because he, he is out of contract. So, so Brisbane don't really have to give up much for him. No, well, I guess, is he an unrestricted free agent or a free agent? I think he's unrestricted. So that means that even what um, Brisbane offer, if Essendon counter, counter that offer, um, you know, they can, then it has to probably come down to a trade. So I guess two first-round picks was the discussion with the Swans last year. Haven't seen a lot of him this year. Played two or three games. Had a game where he kicked three goals, five. Um, I guess for a big bloke like that, they don't come around all that often. I think Brisbane will obviously give up a little bit to get him because I think that could be a missing piece of a uh, long bit of success for the Lions. Essendon, you just got to get rid of him. If he doesn't want to be there, get rid of him. Get what you can for him. Don't match the deals. Just get as much as you can for him. Because he's barely played. I know he played a few games this year, but... Very injury-prone, though, too, Jules. Yeah, if, if, if people don't want to be at your club, get rid of them. Simple as that. Yep. Hey, before we move into our special guest, too, and I know that we could spend another 10 minutes on this side, but, wow, North Melbourne at the moment. They, they could have 20 players not playing there from the list that they had in 2020. Isn't it amazing? I don't know. <laughs> like they might not have a side next year. Oh, absolutely. Jeez, I don't know how the draft works. Can you have 20 picks in the draft? I don't know. They're gonna their off season with trading is gonna be amazing to watch because they're gonna have to get players from clubs somewhere. Yeah, I don't like the way that they get that a lot of the older guys are winding out too because I think whilst you get, you know, whilst you need young kids playing around, you still need that experience around them. Um, you know, especially in senior footy. So yeah, very worrying signs, and I reckon a lot of North Melbourne supporters will be a little bit worried too on where they're going. Hey, Jules, let's go to our very special guest. I'm not going to say who it is at the moment, but hopefully um, this little bit of music may lead you into who our special guest or where he's from anyway for episode number four. Oh, it's that time on the Sporting Hacks where we get to catch up with a very special guest and we head all the way over to Adelaide to catch up with our next guest and I speak of young up-and-coming midfielder, midfielder for the Port Adelaide Power in Willem Drew. And Willem, thanks for joining us on the Sporting Hacks with Hilly and Jules. Great to have your company. No worries at all. Thanks for having me. Hey, mate, what a season it's been so far for the Port Adelaide Power. Obviously, still a few more weeks of finals football left, but what a great place to be at at the moment. Into a preliminary final, 
hosting at Football Park in a fortnight's time. Um, you must be wrapped to be a part of the club and the direction they've taken, um, obviously, over the past 12 months. Yeah, absolutely. It is a great place to be around at the moment. Um, we started off round one um, with a really big win and was on top of the ladder and we managed to um, hold that the whole way through the year and, and finish on top as well. So um, it's, it's been a long year with a few interruptions with COVID-19 and stuff like that and um, it's coming to an end and we have a, a home prelim final um, in two weeks' time against uh, either Richmond or St Kilda. So it's pretty exciting. So, Drew, just with that, um, it's obviously, as you said, it's an exciting place to be. Can you just talk to us about the culture at Port Adelaide? You know, it's been spoken about in the media. Everyone's happy to be there this year. They're playing for Kenny. Um, just talk to us about the culture and what sort of changed over the last two or three years since you've been there. Yeah, I suppose since I've been here, um, this year in particular has been a big focus on sort of connection and um, getting to know your teammates and coaches on a sort of deeper level, not just, um, not just footy, I suppose. So that's, that's been a massive change. And um, we have a, a great mix of experienced players um, and a group of young boys coming through as well who are all really exciting and, um, and great players. So it, it's an exciting place to be around. You speak about the young players, Drewy. Um, yeah, I think you've got a great blend from a supporter, football supporter's point of view. You know, your likes of Folk and Wines, but these sort of guys have had great seasons. But, you know, the Dersmers and Butters, uh, Rosies, these types of players, um, Darcy Byrne-Jones, who was All-Australian, they've just really taken up that next level, haven't they? And they've been just as important um, for the success so far this year for the power. Yeah, absolutely. Blokes like Darcy Byrne-Jones, Dan Houston, um, very, very underrated players and very solid footballers who... um, just play well every week. And then you've got the exciting young boys. You said, yeah, Dersma, Butters, Rosie, um, who all have got a lot, a lot, to, uh, a lot to play with. Um, and they bring that every week. And that sort of brings the excitement. Um, everyone just comes along with that. Now, for the listeners out there, I actually used to teach Drewy. And, um, <laughs> student versus and pupil. I like it. Uh, student and teacher. I like it. He might be a bit embarrassed, but I'm just going to stir him up a little bit because back in year nine and ten, Drewy, and, and you'd admit this, you were probably 50 kilos ringing well, I reckon. So just talk to us now. I actually looked up your bio and it said strong midfielder. So talk to us about how you've had to adapt your body to turn it into an AFL body with your nutrition and your weights program and things like that. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, when I first got there, I was uh, definitely on the lighter side and probably still am now as well and, and still working at that. But um, yeah, I think I got to the club and I was around uh, 78 kilos or something like that. Um, so obviously still had a lot of development to do in my body and, and stuff like that. And um, I suppose this, the challenge is not putting on weight too too much at a time because um, then you can sort of start having other problems as well. So it's sort of been a gradual build. Um, and I suppose... Six eight at the moment, which is, which is sort of where they want me. Um, and yeah, we have a we have a dietitian at the club who I work pretty closely with, and everyone does. And um, just about yeah, sort of tracking your foods and, and knowing the right foods to eat at the right time, and, and that sort of stuff, which you you learn, um, I suppose, through the years that you you're in the system. Hey, do you think you? that's contributed to to your injuries? We were just talking before about your foot injury at the moment. Um, do you think that's maybe a factor in some of your injuries at the moment? Oh, to be honest, not, they're not really too sure. I, I don't, I'm not on, I haven't got a massive weight that I've put on, so they're not really too sure. But um, 
they think it's more just sort of a maybe a genetic sort of thing or, or just a sort of bit of bad luck, which can happen to some people and then some people don't get it. So, Hey, Drewy, um, great news for you. Obviously, you know, we haven't probably seen a lot of you due to injury over the last year, year you know, 12 months, but um, a two-year extension on your contracts with uh, the power must be exciting. Just gives you a bit of confidence to know that the club sort of think highly of you and, uh, you know, you're part of their plans. Yeah, it is. I was, I was absolutely pumped to uh, sign on for another two years. And, um, yeah, as you said, I haven't been able to just pretty much get out of the park at all in the last in the last 12 months. Um, I, I played a few games last year, which I was um, really happy with and, and took a lot of confidence out of that. So I'll, I'll use that going forward and um, hopefully can can get out of the park and string a few games together. Hey, I want to ask you, obviously, um, you know, you look at Melbourne football, the Melbourne teams, Essendon and Collingwood, they just hate one another. Um, you know, Carlton and Richmond could probably go in that vogue as well with those big Melbourne teams. What's it like, the, the love-hate relationship between the, the Crows and the power, maybe player-wise, but also, um, you know, supporter-wise over there? Yeah, supporter-wise definitely is a massive one. Um, and the media likes to, to build it up as well. Um, I suppose it's probably different for each person individually, but you might there might be people that you've played with before that are playing at the Crows, so you sort of know them a little bit. But um, it's definitely is a big week, um, showdown week, and um, it's definitely one of the games that you want to play in, big crowd, a lot of hype around the city and that sort of stuff. So um, I've played in one of them and um, hopefully can play in a few more. Just the last one from me, Drewy. Um, just give us a bit of information on a few of the Port Adelaide players, I suppose. Do you, do you live with anyone or who's the biggest jokester at the club? Who's the nicest? All that sort of stuff. Can you give us a bit of insight? Yeah, so at the moment I live with um, Joe Atley, who's a fourth-year player, um, and Jake Bassini, who's a, a first-year player from Perth. Um, biggest joke around the club would have to be Tom Rockliffe, I reckon. Um, he's a bloke who just loves to get under on skin. Um, always got something to say about something. Um, Benji, uh, nicest bloke. Yeah, Justin Westhoff would have to be up there. He's he's a very sort of quiet fella that um, just goes about his business and would do anything for you. So, um, yeah, he's, he's a ripper bloke. Hey, before we get you to... Um Give us a bit more information about a few others that we want to ask you about. I just want to ask you about your time at Kuroit. Obviously, we're in southwest Victoria, for the listeners that don't know, and watched a lot of uh, Willem play Hampton League football for Kuroit in a very successful period. The background you've had with Kuroit and the success as a young teenager, do you think that's led you in good stead for your AFL career? Because you've been, you know, you were playing at, um, senior footy at 15. And, you know, up against those bigger bodies week in, week out. And, you know, at times, um, you know, probably did get hit harder than a lot, obviously, with that thin frame of yours. But was that sort of a, a great progression point to where you are now, do you think, with the program out at Croyd? Oh, absolutely. It was massive. Um, I don't – if it wasn't for Croyd, I definitely wouldn't be in the position I am. Um, I've learnt so much from the players, the coaches from Croyd, Um even just even just the older players when I was obviously fifteen year old just getting around me and stuff like that, um, you don't realise it at the time as, as a kid, but it's something that you do appreciate. Um, always feel welcome and, and love going back there as well. But I couldn't be um, thankful enough for the Court Football Club for what they've done for me. 
All right, Drew, we're, um, we'll get to our last little segment. So Healy and myself will name a few players. You, you can probably guess who they are. And all we want is a couple of words, maybe a sentence about what they're like. So we'll start with the big guy in Charlie Dixon. Um, Charlie Dixon, um, gentle giant, very caring, um, someone who looks out for you. I want to go to the former skipper in Travis Boak. Uh, professional, definitely comes to mind, uh, does everything right and um, looks after his body. One of my favourite players in the last 10 years, Robbie Gray. Uh, freak, skillful. Um, yeah, one of the best. One of my favourite up-and-coming players, Zach Butters. Uh, cheeky, um, smart, and can get under the skin of people. And probably just the last one from me, um, I think I might steal, steal Hillies, but tell us a bit about Kenny Hinckley. Yeah, Kenny's been massive. Um, he's someone that you can you can go and talk to anything about, really. He's, um, he's really open and um, has a lot of experience. He's played AFL himself, um, obviously from Camperdown as well. So I've got a fair bit in common with him. And um, I suppose this year he's really come on with his connection and, and getting to know everyone a little bit more. But um, for me personally, I, I find him really great to deal with and someone who you can look up to and, and talk to anything about, not just footy, but anything in life. And the last one I'll go with, I was going to go Michael Voss, but I've changed my tune. What about the president or the chairman, David Koch? Have you had much to do with Koch in your time there with Drewy? Oh, I've met him a couple of times, but I haven't had a whole lot to do with him. Um, the cat's so, here. No, I haven't. <laughs> I, I can't give you too much on that. I haven't really met him. Yeah, beautiful. Hey, mate, been great to chat with you. We love catching up with uh, you know our locals from down here in southwest Victoria and just checking in on how you're going and what an exciting time for the Port Adelaide Power, prelim final. And you know, we were speaking, I was speaking to Jules over the weekend, you know, um, Port Adelaide have done so well this year already. Ninth last year, didn't play finals, finishing on the uh, top of the ladder in the home and away season and get to play off for a spot in the grand final. Um, pretty exciting times. And I think exciting times ahead with the group that you've got going forward, Drewy. Yeah, definitely. Um, it feels like we've got a great group of young boys that, um, we'll be able to push the club to have success in the future as well, not only this year, but to um, to keep that sustained success going. And um, it definitely is a great club to be around at the moment. And um, I'm hoping to be a part of that in the future. Thanks very much, Drew. And good luck with your body. And hopefully we can see you on the footy field as soon as possible. No worries. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We know what time it is now. When we hear that anthem from Seven Nation Army, we know it's the time for the clangor, the choke, and the moral of the week. And Jules, you are the main man when it comes to the clangor of the week, sponsored by Matt McCart. And I'll tell you what, he's come up trumps with our logo for the sporting hacks and have had great feedback in regards to it. So check out his Instagram page, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, he's on all social media platforms. Um, and does a great job. Very, very 
talented is our friend Matthew McMillan. 100%. Get around Matt McCart. All right, Hilly, you won't enjoy this, but my clanger, or I'm going to say clangers of the week, it's got to go to Tomahawk. Now, <laughs> I, said it, I said earlier, you had a good game, Tom, but you're also on the third best defender in Trent McKenzie. But you've kicked 0-5 and you've kicked one out in the full. Now, I know you've had a few shots from the boundary, but there was definitely at least three goals you probably should have kicked. So... Not a clanger of the week, clangers of the week, zero five and one out in the full. You would definitely see that at the reserves level in our footy, local footy hilly. So, Tomahawk, you got my clanger of the week. Yeah, fair call. Yeah, disappointing, especially that left foot snap uh, early on in the second quarter. That was disappointing. But anyway, yeah, fair call, Jules. I'll take that one. You know, I'm not great for criticism of the Cats, but uh, yeah, I'll take that clanger of the week. All right, give us your choke of the week, big fella. All right, sports brought to you by TH Media. Really tough. There wasn't a lot of great big chokes over the weekend, so it was a little bit tougher. No. But I thought West Coast was the choke of the week for mine. And I know we spoke about it uh, earlier on that uh, they were really disappointing. Playing over a home ground, home crowd, um, you know, they probably should have got the job done over against Collingwood. And to allow Mason Cox, you know, to grab the game by the scruff of the neck earlier on, in the uh, piece, kicking three in the first term. Uh, disappointing. I think it's been a choke of the year as well for mine. For where they finished uh, outside the top four, not only the choke of the week, but maybe one of the chokes of the year in regards to results. So the West Coast Eagles, disappointing. They're my choke of the week. Yeah, not bad, mate. Um, they, they did play all right, but, yeah, they, they should have been winning that game. And, yeah, not a bad choke of the week. As you said, there's not much to pick from this time of the year. So we'll go on to our moral of the week, and we'll start with you this week. Give us, give us your moral for this weekend. Yeah, well, I'm just going to say, was all over the moral from last week. I did say that we'd hear over the week some of the big-name players that are looking for a new home and where their preferred destination is. And I did say Saad and Danaher may be amongst that group that we'll uh, announce, so they did. Saad obviously yeah, well nominating Carlton and, and Danaher nominating Brisbane. So a win there, so on 1-1. One, one, on the scoreline, my moral of the week is Richmond. I'm going very safe here. Oh, I'm you've mozzed us. I'm going very safe, and I'm hoping I moz you blokes too because I want you to be out of the race. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Hilly. But uh, listen, you know, while St Kilda had a great season and have been really, really great to watch, um, Lynch comes back into Richmond's lineup. I just can't see the Saints upsetting the Tigers in a semi-final with the list that Richmond's got. So I'm going to go for the Richmond Tigers as my moral of the weekend. I've gone safe. I know I'd like to go a little bit out there. I might do it's maybe some rugby in the coming weeks, but I thought the Tigers, they're, they're absolute morals. Oh, I wish I had your confidence. Uh, I'll, I'll get on with mine. And the dogs cost me last week, so I'm one and one as well. And just for the listeners out there, our moral of the week isn't a dollar ten thing. We could We could pick things that are absolute morals, but we are picking things that are a bit risky and that aren't always a certainty, but we think are immoral. So just to clear that up, but mine, mine's a little different again. My moral is that Mason Cox will not do that two weeks in a row. You've got Henderson, (laughs) you've got Henderson, Taylor, Stewart, and a few other Geelong key backs. There is no way Mason Cox is going to play like that again. That is my moral. I think Geelong will win, 
But if they don't, Mason Cox won't have the influence he had last week. You've bloody moz just now, mate, saying you think the Cats will win. <laughs> <laughs> so we could be both knocked out of the semifinals. <laughs> if we're both out next week, Hilly, it's going to be a depressing episode next oh, week. I'll That's tell you what, cool. I might have to have the week off, I reckon. Might have to call someone in from the interchange bench because um, I'll take it to heart, no doubt. But, yeah, no, fair, some good morals there. I'm looking forward to maybe once the footy finishes and look at some other sports and, uh, you know, producing some morals there as well. As I said, I'm looking at rugby and, and netball over the next couple of weeks as maybe some morals. So I'm just yeah, keep an eye out. And obviously basketball when it starts with uh, the NBL too. Hey, mate, that wraps us up for episode four. Once again, great to catch up with Willem Drew from Port Adelaide. Um, disappointing not to see him out there for much of this year, but he's an exciting talent and we appreciate his time. And we've already got our guests locked in for next week and we'll keep that to ourselves. And we'll uh, maybe give a few hints on our social media as well. And if people want to connect with us social media-wise, Jules, what do they have to do? Yeah, find us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. Twitter and Instagram is sporting underscore hacks. And Facebook is just called the Sporting Hacks. And huge thanks to Will and Drew. Fantastic chat and an insight in, into Port Adelaide. And another interesting week of, of AFL finals that I'm looking forward to. Very nervously, but looking forward to. Mate, good luck for the Tigers on Friday night. And, um, yeah, we'll see what happens, eh? Uh, it's going to be interesting because I don't know which, you know, I don't want to say we're going to win, but is Port Adelaide or Brisbane going to be the easiest side of the draw? Who knows? But we've got to get through the first stage first. So good luck to the Cats, I suppose. But I don't really mind who wins that game. You're real genuine in saying that too, aren't you? Hey, mate, we better say goodbye. Thanks once again, Jules, and I look forward to catching up with you, with you on the Sporting Hacks with Billy and Jules next week.